Today's Bible reading comes from Revelation chapter 20, and I'll be reading the first 10 verses. Revelation chapter 20. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient snake who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In number they are like the sand on the seashore, they marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them, and the devil, who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulphur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Wendy. You can take that with you. Give it to Charlie. Morning, everyone. <clears throat> at breakfast at Runcon High School, uh, at Sunnybank Primary School, State School, they have coffee with their breakfast. And that's at uh, 7.45, I think. 8.45. 8 o'clock <laughs> until 8.45. It's 45 minutes, because it's a state school. They, so they get coffee if you go there. You don't get coffee, you go to Runcon High. Just where Charlie is, believe it or not. <laughs> but apparently Charlie has offered maybe to do coffee. Tomorrow. <laughs> Jeff, before you go, the coffee you have, is it coffee or is it... Real beans. Beans. <laughs> That's not coffee. <laughs> Nespresso. Uh, no, um, the brand name. Is it an Aldi thing or a... Oh, it's worse. <laughs> uh, <coughs> Runcorn, go away. Runcorn High School. They need, at Runcorn High, they need about five. How many do you need, Jeff? Or are you full rostered? Uh, I'm full for my breakfast. Oh, excellent. Very good. So we need five more volunteers for Runcorn High. That's at 7.30 till 9, I think. So, Charlie, at least tomorrow, you'll get coffee. Um, my specialty as a grandparent is I make pancakes. Where's Tina? Can I do pancakes? <laughs> yes, I can. Very good. And if we go, we get breakfast as well. 
Unbelievable. Getting fed and working for Jesus. How about that? Thanks, guys. Have a great time down there. I want to read to you the, second, uh, the final paragraph out of Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. <clears throat> it's about the judgment day. It's the judgment of the dead is what the NIV calls it. And it's the judgment of those who are not believers in Jesus. This is the judgment of the sinners, those of unbelievers, because the Christians have already been raised in the paragraph beforehand and they're reigning with Jesus. A couple of paragraphs beforehand. Verse 11 says, again, John says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, which is the Lord Jesus. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, which is hell. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. It's important to have your name in that book. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for you, that you are a God who communicates and you have revealed yourself and you've revealed truth to us. We pray that you would help us to concentrate and to learn and to devote ourselves to be active listeners for you, to observe you in the world and to listen, particularly as we gather together, through the words of songs, through the reading of Scripture, through speaking and teaching Scripture, through fellowship and conversation afterwards heavenly father speak to us your children that we might be close to you and that we might follow you very very nearly and dearly we ask and pray in jesus name and everybody said any questions on this chapter no questions it's closing prayer it's pretty straightforward isn't it i think so there's a lot of controversy about it, but I don't understand any of that. I've entitled this The End, because that's what it is. It's the end of Satan, and it's the end of human history. The end. After this chapter, we move into eternity. We move into a new heaven and a new earth. And because I think, I, can't remember, I don't know if I did or not, but we finished late in the first service, so I'm going to try and do this quicker and better. Uh, the chapter, I think, is logical. It falls into four easy uh, paragraphs. Verses 1 to 3, you have Satan is removed from the earth, from the scene. Um, uh, the next paragraph, verses 4 to 6, you have uh, Jesus with the saints on thrones, reigning and ruling over the earth. Verses 7 to 10, that's for a thousand years. At the end of that thousand years, Satan is released. Why? We'll come to that. And then he is thrown into the lake of fire. And then verses, the one I just read to you, 11 to 15, that's the judgment day where sinners are judged. It's pretty clear and straightforward. Now, this is controversial, but this is uh, how I read the scriptures. I spent too much time, I think, in the first service saying, they say this and this, and I think this is the best one, and I don't want to do that. I just want to tell you the truth. <laughs> Through my perspective. <laughs> I get myself into trouble, don't I? Chapter 20 follows chapter 19. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> 
In chapter 19, if you look at it, it doesn't get any deeper. <laughs> one of the arguments, one of the uh, difficulties of interpretation, uh, just simply and broad big picture strokes, is this. Uh, does the book of Revelation, is it in chronological order? Does it follow a sequence? Or does it like dovetail back on itself and it does repeats, it revisits and tells it from a different perspective as I think I've said to you before it's like somebody going up a mountain around and around and around and you're looking down this aisle and you have this perspective from this height and then you go around and come up again and you're looking at the same event and then you go around and come up again and you look at it so it's looking at the same events but from different perspectives that's a very common view and very easy to understand how that makes a lot of sense. Another view is, no, no, the book of Revelation is not so much going around and looking at the same events again, it's in chronological order and this happens and then that follows that, and, you know, the, there's the seals and then the trumpets, then the bowls and then it all concertinas at the end. That's a common view as well. Um, and if I had to take my view, sometimes it's a combination of both. Um, but if I had to take my view, I'd probably go more with the first one. It's looking at similar events but from different perspectives and there is this crescendo at the end. So there are some repetitions in the book of Revelation. However, when you come to chapters 19 and 20, some would argue that's what it is, it's a repeating, it's telling of the same story, the same battle and so on. I don't think so. I think 19 and 20 fall together in a sequence. If you read the text carefully, that sounds a little arrogant and not fair to the others who disagree, but as I read the text, John says seven times, and I saw. And he tells you what he saw. And I saw. And I saw. And in chapter 19, he sees uh, a rider on a white horse, the Lord Jesus, the Word, coming, faithful and true, coming with the armies of heaven. And he uh, conquers the beast and the false prophet and he throws them into the lake of fire. That's hell. They are the first two beings to be thrown into the lake of fire before Satan. And so that happens, and then Jesus destroys the armies that were with the beast and the kings of the earth and the nations. So now there are millions, billions of people alive on the earth when Jesus returns, people who are not Christians, because the Christians would have been, now I'm getting off track and into all sorts of details, they'll be raptured, 1 Thessalonians 4, they'll meet the Lord in the air, and then they'll descend with him. Follow? Good. So in chapter 19, Jesus has returned... Jesus has removed the false prophet and the beast and that's now what God is doing. He's in the process of removing evil from our world. They're gone. And now in this chapter, he's going to focus on the devil and he does so in three phases. He, uh, he, re- he locks him up in a prison and we'll talk about that in a second and then he uh, releases him and then he finally casts him into the lake of fire. He's removed the devil. And then finally, in this last paragraph, God removes all of the sinners the people who have rebelled and have not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus from this world, they're gone. So the only people, and then there's a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And all of the evil and the rebels and everybody else are in the lake of fire and there's a new heaven, new earth for believers and righteousness and so on. So chapter 20 follows that sequence. Jesus came from heaven to earth. It's another thing to notice in Revelation. Take note of when it's in heaven or it's on earth. And it goes up and down throughout the book. And you'll get this other thing of um, I saw and I heard. And often it's in sequences of seven. You get the same in chapter 20. You'll get, that's in that's 19 and 20, you'll get this combination of I saw and I heard. 
So chapter 20 begins by John seeing something. He sees an angel coming down out of heaven and he has a key in one hand, the key to the abyss, which is not hell, that's the lake of fire. The abyss is the bottomless pit, which is where demons came from and other things in a previous chapter. It's a, a place or a state of being that uh, confines him. He's got the key to that place and he's got a chain, a large chain, and he grabs the devil. That's a big angel, a powerful angel who apprehends the evil one and who binds him with a chain. Now, I don't know if that means he's wrapped him up, so he's bound with a chain, or he's like got a shackle on his neck or ankles or hands or something and he's chained to a wall. He's bound. He's limited. He can't move about. Amelinus would say this has happened spiritually at the cross and at the resurrection of Jesus. Satan has been defeated and bound. To which I agree with a commentator who says it must be a bloom and long chain. Because he can still roam the earth, Peter says, walking around seeking someone to devour. Paul says in Ephesians 6, um, uh, we, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. In Revelation 2 and 3, you have the devil likewise moving around, having a throne in Pergamum. And, and he's still active in the world. He's not confined. He's not removed. He's still here. That's why I take this premillennial view, I think, of it. So he is bound, and it's bound for a thousand years. This word millennium is a Latin word. It comes over to us. It's mille. Did you do Roman numerals when you were to school? What's a V? X? A hundred? Five hundred? Running out of puff. M? A thousand. Millennium. Mille, the first five letters. Mille is a Latin word for thousand. Ah, yeah, let's close in prayer. Um, and annum is uh, the Latin for years. So it's a thousand years. That's where the word millennium come from. Any questions? Good. Um, what am I saying? Satan is bound for a thousand years. Literally a thousand years? Or is it just a long period of time? Because a thousand is made up of ten times ten times ten. The book is a, full of symbolic numbers. Is this symbolic or is it literal? Some people want to dismiss and say it's got to be symbolic or spiritual in meaning because it can't be literal because it's in Revelation. and It's the only place in the Bible that talks about this. It's never mentioned anywhere else. Yeah, but it's mentioned six or seven times in this paragraph. It's over and over and over and over. How many times has God got to say it? So my view is it's this year. My view is I think it's a, a literal thousand years going to be on the earth. Uh, there are obviously different views. There is the amillennial view, which is, you know, we're in the millennium now. It's a spiritual understanding, not an earthly understanding. And that, I think, has great credit to it. On many passages of Scripture, they're very helpful. Then there is the postmillennial. That's not helpful at all. Forget them. Then there is the preterist. Ah, they're, they're off the planet. And then there are the premillennialists, and there are two of us, two t sorts of groups. There is the dispensational premillennial, like Charles Ryrie or Schofield, if you know those Bibles, and uh, they're wrong too. They're off the planet. The truth is historic premillennialism. It's called historic because it goes way back to the church fathers. It's not fair to say that's the only ones that had it because amillennials can take back to the church fathers as well. They are the two best views to have, amillennial and or premillennial. And you need to listen to both of those very carefully. Uh, we can talk about that, but I don't want to get into details uh, beyond what I've just done. So that's the millennium. I need my button. And Satan's bound up for a thousand years. Uh, 
When Jesus returns and gets rid of the beast and the false prophet, there is the first resurrection. If you read the second paragraph, it is about, um, and John saw thrones. And seated on the thrones were those who had been given authority. Over them, the second death has no power. And they ruled and reigned with Christ. These are the saints, the martyrs, who didn't get the mark of the beast on their hand or forehead, didn't worship the beast or his image. These are the Christians, suffered for their faith, who are now raised to life again. It's the great reversal that's rejected by the world but accepted by Jesus and now ruling and reigning with him. That's the first resurrection. There is a second resurrection, which is often called the, second, uh, the general resurrection. It's not perhaps a good name for it. But it's the resurrection to judgment. In John chapter 5 and in Daniel chapter 12, both authors talk about there is a resurrection to life and there is a resurrection to condemnation. There is a resurrection of believers to be with the Lord Jesus and to rule and reign with him and to receive their reward. There is a resurrection of the unbelievers, the rebels, and they will appear before him for judgment and for condemnation. And between these two resurrections, according to chapter 20, there is a time period, a thousand years. Literally, symbolically, you make up your mind. So there are two resurrections. I'll come back to the end. There is another resurrection, but they are physical resurrections we're talking about here. Your body, which is buried and or cremated, will be raised as a believer. And that'll happen when Jesus comes and you'll meet him in the, in the clouds, in the air, and you'll be forever with the Lord. That's what we believe. Um, next. So the saints are reigning. With Jesus, where? Heaven or earth? Well, this is where you've got to understand, that, follow the sequence. When has Jesus, he's left heaven and he's come to the earth. Satan is bound. Where is Satan? On earth. That's where he's confined to. And so these thrones that the saints are reigning, I would say, are likewise on the earth. Text doesn't actually say that, but it seems to follow in logical sequence, my view. So the saints are reigning, and it's actually another blessing. There are seven blessings in this last part of uh, Revelation, the last major visions, and I think this is the fifth or the sixth. Um, uh, blessed and holy are those who participate in this. That's us. We're part of the royal family, God's family, and he's given us a job to do. At the end of the thousand years, Satan is released. What on earth for? Why would you let him out? Well, because God's got a purpose and he always has a reason for why he does things. I think it's this. I think God has a plan and a purpose for Satan. He releases him at the end of this thousand years is after the Lord Jesus has been reigning with the saints on earth for a thousand years. That's the best government we're ever going to have. What's the best form of government? It's not democracy. Oh, this will certainly invite... The best form of government is a dictatorship. But you've got to have the right dictator. A benevolent king is the best form of government. Uh, and so there's only one person who can fit that role for us, and that, of course, is the Lord Jesus. We have dictatorships, but it's filled with sinful, greedy, you know, corrupt people. That's why it doesn't work, because they look at themselves, but... Uh, a person who would lead the government in such a way that it's good for the people. That would be the ideal, and that's what God will allow. At the end of a thousand years of that, of perfect peace, there'll be peace between the nations when Jesus is king. His kingdom stretched from shore to shore. There'll be no more wars, no military, no air force, 
no conscription, no money spent on that. They'll beat their swords into plowshares. Peace will reign throughout the world. There'll be prosperity and health and food for everybody. It'll be perfection and people will live for a lot longer. So the prophets predict, particularly if you understand this literally, physically. <clears throat> End of the thousand years, Satan is released to reveal and to prove the truth of what God has taught us all the way through Scripture, that the heart of man is not changed, even by a perfect environment. Communists are wrong, the educationists are wrong, you can't change human nature, only God can. It's God's grace that needs to transform our hearts, not by us pulling up our bootstraps and trying to do better or not, it doesn't change us. We are still corrupt and sinful and inward-looking. So Satan is released and his job, his mission is to go forth and to persuade the nations of the world who have been living under King Jesus for a thousand years to persuade them to rebel against him. You think, oh, it's impossible. Oh, well, that's, Scripture says that's exactly what's going to happen. He's going to get the kings of the earth will assemble their armies and they will come together from the four corners of the earth and they will come together around the camp where God's people are focused, Jerusalem, the holy city. Literally. Satan is released and then says fire will come down from heaven. That's happened about half a dozen times through scriptures, different circumstances and different ways. But at the end, God will do it. Snap of his finger. Satan is released, gathers the armies together. All those people have been deceived again. That's the end. Full stop. End of human history. Grab Satan, throws him into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are. Notice this, if my view is correct, the beast and the false prophet were thrown in before the millennium. They're in, they've been in there a thousand years. At the end of the millennium, a thousand years later, they're still in there. The lake of fire hasn't consumed them. It hasn't destroyed them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That the lake of fire does not destroy you. It punishes you. It's eternal punishment. Uh, did his mission to deceive the nations of the world. Whoops. And then comes judgment day. As soon as Satan is thrown into the lake of fire, then that's it. <clears throat> John sees another vision. Sees a great white throne, different to all the other thrones, because it's a great one, and it's a white one, because it's holy and pure. And he sees the one who is seated on it. The Bible doesn't say who that is in this. This passage doesn't say who it is. But we know that judgment has been committed to the Lord Jesus, Acts chapter 17. John sees a great white throne. John sees all of the dead, all of the dead who have um, not been followers of the Lord Jesus because Christians who had died before him were raised in the first resurrection and they have been reigning and ruling with Jesus for a thousand years. The second resurrection, verse 13 says, the sea gave up the dead that was in them and death and Hades gave up the dead were in them and all of the dead, all of these part of the dead, appear before the great white throne, great and small, important and unimportant, <clears throat> everybody. And then he sees, and books are opened. Books, plural, are opened. And then another book is opened, the book of life. We aren't given the details of it, but the Jewish people had a belief that there were two books that God was recording in, the deeds of the righteous and the deeds of the wicked. We're not told what the details of this are, we're just going to call it the book of deeds. And then the dead, who are before the throne, are judged by what is recorded in the book. But that's not what will condemn them. 
What condemns them is their name is not kept, not recorded in the book of life, the book of the Lamb. It's their absence of the name from there which has made them appear here. And this is a courtroom scene. You think about this. Or that way. It's a courtroom scene. There is a judge, but there is no jury. Doesn't need to be a jury because God is an absolute just and impartial judge. There is um, uh, no witnesses because it's all recorded in the book and God keeps perfect records. There'll be a prosecution, but there is no defence lawyers or attorneys because the position, the evidence is indisputable and it's indefensible. It's sinners appearing before the judge. Sinners are in the dock and the judge is seated on his throne, on his seat. There will be a sentence against which there will be no appeals, but justice, because justice will be carried out. And there's no media present who are going to be reporting it because this is it. There is no coming back after this. And all of the people, great and small, who are before God will all be found guilty. And the only prison that God has made is the one for Satan and his angels, according to Matthew 25. So he will send these people who have not repented and believed and accepted Jesus, he will send those people to the same prison where Satan is, where the beast is, where the false prophet is, hell, the lake of fire. Satan is not the king of the lake of fire. He's a prisoner in the lake of fire. And so this courtroom scene will be a terrible scene. It's something we ought to fear. But the key is your name has to be in the book of life. Now, if you look at this very carefully, you often hear it said, and the Jewish people in their, apocalyptic, uh, their apocryphal literature, they often talk about God keeping books and writing things down and keeping good records and things like that. And you've heard it said, and I have taught and then been corrected, that when you become a Christian, you know, God crosses you out of the book of deeds and he writes your name in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. That is never said in Scripture. The thing that is said in Scripture, Revelation 3 verse 5, is Jesus says to the Christians, I will not or I will never blot your name out of the book of life. So your name is in the book of life. I will not blot your name out of it. This is what I think happens. This is how I put it together. Not that this is, you know, tremendously important for our lives. It's just curious to know, you know, these Bible sorts of things. Everybody's name is written in the book of deeds. Everybody's been, ever been born. Every man, woman and child, your name is in the book. Everybody's name who's ever been born, every man, woman and child in every country in the world, their name is in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. They're the ones for whom Jesus died. Now this is what happens. When you come to the point in your life where you admit that you're a sinner and you ask Jesus to forgive you and you accept his promises and his gift of salvation, you are transferred from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of light. All of that happens spiritually. But in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, I'm making this next bit up. There's a little tick. Tick. We have repented. We've believed. We're in the book. If, you're over, if you never come to the point of repenting and believing, never accepting Jesus, then when you die, your name is actually removed from the Lamb's book of life. This is how I put the text of Scripture together. Sounds like a very complicated bureaucratic administrative process, but apparently this is what the Lord's got the angels doing. So, 
your name is crossed out of the book of life so there are gaps in the book of life just like over here in the book of deeds once your name is ticked over there your name is removed from this one you will never be a call to account for your sin because what has God done to your sin as far as the east is from the west he's cast it away from you he's put it in the depths of the sea he says your sins and your transgressions and inequities I will remember no more gone blotted out not to be recalled so what happens on the day the judgment day books are opened your, if your name is there it's not in that book it's been left in this book because you haven't repented and believed and there's a perfect record of your deeds and what you have done and you'll be called to an account for it and you'll be found guilty and you'll be consigned to the prison the lake of fire forever so the most important thing is your name has got to be in this book you've got to repent you've got to believe you've got to keep your name in that book that makes sense how do I keep my name in the book by repenting by believing by receiving accepting Jesus once your name is in that book he promises once there's a tick mark next to it my imagination he promises never to remove you from it you're in you're safe and sealed now, that's a more complicated way of explaining it I know but that seems to be where the scriptures direct us if you want to know more about the book of life I'm sure I can make oh I could help you afterwards I told you at the beginning there were two uh, two resurrections the Bible actually talks about three deaths it says that we are born in this world and we are spiritually dead Ephesians chapter 2 it says that it is appointed unto every person once to die that's physical death so there's spiritual death physical death spiritual death separates us from God physical death separates us from one another from loved ones and then in this passage it talks about a thing called the second death but it's talking about this one the second physical death is eternal separation eternal separation from God eternal separation from everybody else so for every man woman and child born into this world this is the track that they are on they are born into this world spiritually dead but physically alive if they do not repent and believe spiritually are dead and physically alive they'll reach a point in their life their this life where they will physically die spiritually dead and physically dead for the people who are spiritually dead and physically dead when they die they will appear before the great white throne judgment and those who appear before the great white throne judgment will then experience eternal death which is eternal separation from God spiritually dead physically dead eternally dead and dead means separated that's how the Lord has ordained creation and interestingly John says when he saw the great white throne heaven and earth fled before him before it, and they had no place to go and then he saw the dead great and small standing before him what John is saying I think is there's no avoiding this there is no place to hide when the universe disappears heaven and earth have gone you're still standing there before him if you don't know Jesus it's amazing that's the biblical truth we need to repent and believe we need to accept Jesus and that's the mission God has given us so God at the end of chapter 20 God has now removed all evil from creation the beast is gone the false prophet's gone the devil's gone and now all sinful people gone and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth which is Revelation chapter 21 and 22 
Last comment before I pray. It's just interesting how God has structured the scriptures. The devil who appears to us for the very first time in the third chapter of Genesis is removed and disappears in the third last chapter, Revelation. And that the first two chapters of Genesis, which talk about the creation of the heavens and the earth, the last two chapters talk about the, the creation of the new heavens and the new earth. And if you look at Genesis 1 and 2, and you compare that to Revelation 1 and 2, you'll get a lot of parallels, a lot of cross-references and statements and allusions, one to the other. That God is our creator, that he is the one who made us, and he's the one who has a plan and he has it under control. But the evil one is still loose in the world, but there'll come a day when God will restrict him. He'll restrain him, and then eventually remove him. We want it done now. Well, why doesn't he do it now? Well, you know the answer. God's patience with people whose names are in this book, but they haven't got a tick mark in that book. And God is waiting for them. Are you or aren't you going to repent? Are you or aren't you going to believe? And God is being patient with them, with those people, to do that. And that's our mission. Going to the world to make disciples. They need to hear it. They need to know. And we've been commissioned to do it. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, again, thank you that you're a God who has revealed truth to us. And all of this truth is relevant for us uh, and is to have an impact on our choices and on our decisions and our directions in life. The most important thing, Lord Jesus, is help each of us to have a tick mark next to our name in your book, the book of life. Help us to repent, to believe and to be secure in the salvation that you have purchased for us and fill our hearts with compassion and love for lost people who matter to you, for whom Jesus died, for whom you want to hear and respond and be forgiven. Sovereign Father, we praise you because you are in charge and the evil one doesn't fluster you and that your King, the Lord Jesus, will one day, someday, perhaps very soon, reign and we with him. So, Lord, help us to believe and keep us in the faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.